A little road in northern Clinton County is the most popular unofficial crossing on the entire U.S.-Canada border. Most of the 39,000 asylum seekers who crossed into Quebec outside official ports of entry last year did so via Roxham Road in Champlain. This surge in people making their way into Canada has strained resources in Quebec, and the province's leaders want Roxham Road closed. Kara Chapman reports. Roxham Road winds through sparsely populated forest and farmland before it dead ends at the U.S.-Canada border. Trees surround a small parking area and the Canadian police outpost where officers wait to process asylum seekers. Most afternoons, Janet McFetridge is waiting for them too. Um, I've got some blankets, um, hats, children and adults, some scarves, and then I have a bag of stuffed animals that I hand out to. And I have a few gloves. I have a very hard time keeping gloves. McFetridge is a retired school teacher and the mayor of the village of Champlain. For years, she's come here as a private citizen, volunteering with a local group called Plattsburgh Cares. That means she's seen the Roxham Road routine hundreds of times. A car pulls up, the door opens, and people get out, often pulling suitcases behind them. They walk up to a small path and stop. A stone pillar marks the official boundary with Canada. From there, Canadian police officers address them. United States... Stand up. If you cross, you'll be arrested. This can happen dozens of times a day. People also cross in even more remote locations, which can be dangerous, especially in the winter. They come because of a loophole in a treaty between the U.S. and Canada that's called the Safe Third Country Agreement. They get arrested for crossing, but they can claim asylum because they are not at an official port of entry. Thousands of migrants have already crossed at Roxham Road this year. On Valentine's Day, Luis Rangel was one of them. He is originally from Venezuela, which for years has experienced rampant inflation, crime, and political persecution. When the marches happened in Venezuela, I was one of the people out there protesting because I didn't agree with what was happening in our country. Rangel and his family moved to Ecuador three years ago, but he couldn't find work that paid enough to help him support other relatives back in Venezuela. So last October, he and his wife decided to go north. Rangel says they traveled through treacherous jungle, sold candy to scrape by, and relied on help from family and strangers to make it to the U.S.-Mexico border. They crossed to El Paso and spent some time working in New Mexico. Then they made their way to Denver and got tickets to New York City. Rangel says they tried to make things work there, but quickly realized it would take years to get legal work in the U.S. and reunite with their sons, who are still in Ecuador with family. That's when they learned about Roxham Road on social media and how Canada might be easier. The country doesn't matter so much, Rangel says. It's the ability to work and make money. He says, if you can't make money, how are you supposed to help your family? Rangel is one of many who had planned to settle in the U.S., then thought they might have better luck in Canada. Camille Mackler with Immigrant Arc says her organization's been hearing that from more and more people they work with throughout the state. I think people have a sense that Canada is more generous, that there are more resources, that they're going to have a a better chance of winning an asylum claim, of being supported throughout. But the resulting surge in migrants has overwhelmed Quebec. Here's the Canadian relations minister speaking with CTV News. Here in Quebec, we are proud of our tradition of uh, welcoming refugees. You know, uh, as long as it was like 1,000, 2,000, it was okay. But now our capacity are exceeded. The Canadian federal government has moved thousands of asylum seekers to other provinces, but Quebec government officials want to take things a step further. 
They want the Roxham Road crossing and the safe third country agreement loophole closed. Not everyone sees that as a solution. Abdullah Daoud is with the Refugee Center in Montreal. He wants all asylum seekers to be able to make their claims at official ports of entry, where it's safer. Because if we just close Roxham Road, they're just going to find another place to come to come through because they're seeking safety. The increased traffic at Roxham Road comes as conservatives are highlighting an uptick of migrants crossing the border south into the U.S. Here's a clip from a recent Fox News segment. That CBP leadership now asking agents to redeploy to the northern border in a desperate effort to, quote, increase detention and custody operations. This after North Country Congresswomen Elise Stefanik and Claudia Tenney have formed the Northern Border Security Caucus. The group aims to advocate for policies that address illegal immigration and drug trafficking at the border. Some experts say making legal migration easier would help relieve the pressure on both the U.S. and Canada. Muzaffar Chishti is a senior fellow with the Migration Policy Institute. So opening the front door, especially when there's evidence of labor need in the country, is an obvious solution. President Joe Biden plans to visit Canada and meet with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau later this month. Trudeau has said he wants to update the agreement that allows asylum seekers to cross the border between ports of entry. He said that's the way to shut down Roxham Road and the entire border to irregular crossings. A White House spokesperson did not return a request for comment. But the U.S. ambassador to Canada recently told the CBC that it would be better to focus on the underlying causes of migration. The United Nations estimates that more than 117 million people will be forcibly displaced or stateless this year. And almost 30 percent of them will be refugees or asylum seekers. We're part of that migration now. That's Janet McFetridge again, the Roxham Road volunteer. She says her small corner of New York is now on the front lines as people try to find safety. You can't just look the other way and put your head in the sand and think it's going to go away. Humans are going to try to find safety and a way to have a, have a life. And right now that's, that's here. McFetridge doesn't know how long she'll keep coming to Roxham Road. For now, she says it's important to help if she can. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio, on the northern border in Champlain. The ad hoc agreement that made a rural road in Clinton County an internationally known pathway for asylum in Canada is no more. Most of the 39,000 people who crossed into Canada outside official ports of entry last year did so via Roxham Road in Champlain. But on Friday, the U.S. and Canada announced an agreement that will allow both countries to turn away asylum seekers at their shared border. Refugee advocates say the new rules will only make things more dangerous for migrants. But some argue it's important to show the U.S. and Canada can work together to address immigration. Kara Chapman has more. The Safe Third Country Agreement between the United States and Canada has been in effect since 2004. It basically says that asylum seekers have to make their claims in the first of the two countries they arrive in. But it only applied at official ports of entry, not to the swaths of border in between and unofficial crossings like Roxham Road. That is, until Saturday, when new rules went into effect. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau formally announced the change during a joint press conference with President Joe Biden in Ottawa Friday. Both of our countries believe in safe, fair, and orderly migration, refugee protection, and border security. This is why we will now apply the Safe Third Country Agreement to asylum seekers who cross between official points of entry. 
Now, people who are not U.S. or Canadian citizens and are caught within 14 days of crossing the border will be sent back to the other side. As part of the deal, Canada agreed to shoulder more of the burden of a wave of asylum seekers fleeing violence and persecution in Central and South America. It will create new legal pathways for 15,000 migrants. Refugee advocates criticize the new rules. Abdullah Daoud leads the Refugee Center in Montreal. He says expanding the Safe Third Country Agreement will make things more dangerous for migrants. This is only going to incentivize human trafficking rings and human smuggling. Um, and bad faith actors will look at the situation and be like, okay, I mean, this is a really big border. We can definitely smuggle people in and then they can come in and seek safety another way. Daoud also says the 15,000 new slots aren't enough. And he says limiting them to people fleeing Western Hemisphere countries excludes the many asylum seekers from places like Turkey, Afghanistan and Yemen. The Canadian Supreme Court is set to rule on the constitutionality of the Safe Third Country Agreement. Daoud says a lot is riding on that. If it's thrown out, he says that would allow all asylum seekers to Canada to make their claims at official ports of entry. These individuals are not going to stop coming. We already know that. <laughs> We've already seen that happen. And it's only the state of affairs of the world today that these numbers are only going to increase and increase and increase. So... It's really important that we get ahead of it. Unfortunately, I think with this announcement, we're taking a few steps back. Michael Baruchiski disagrees. He's a professor at York University in Toronto, and he's written that a diplomatic solution like the new agreement between the U.S. and Canada is the way to stem the flow of migrants at Roxham Road. He says the new rules could help change its reputation as an easy access point. If you have a basic collaboration, cooperation between the two governments, to me it seems obvious that some of them some migrants may think, okay, this is just too difficult. Baruchiski takes a bigger picture look. The level of crossings at Roxham Road is comparatively low when you look at migrant flows in other parts of the Americas and the world. The way he sees it, if Canada and the U.S. can't figure something like this out, that doesn't bode well for bigger migration issues. I think that's the signal. And I would hope people just understand that this is, this is a small problem. If we can't handle this, there's little hope for the big problems around the world. For the last several years, Royal Canadian Mounted Police have operated an outpost at Roxham Road where they processed asylum seekers. Asked whether they plan to continue staffing it, spokesperson Tasha Adams said Friday that the agency could not provide specific information about its police operations. According to the CBC, asylum seekers continue to arrive and cross at Roxham Road after midnight Saturday. A new sign posted there warns migrants, stop, do not cross. It tells them they'll be arrested and may be returned to the United States. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio. The worldwide crush of people seeking asylum from disasters and violence is being felt in Plattsburgh. Last month, the U.S. and Canada closed a loophole in a tree that brought tens of thousands of migrants to tiny Roxham Road in Clinton County to try to claim asylum in Canada. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced the changes during President Joe Biden's visit to Ottawa on March 24th. Both of our countries believe in safe, fair, and orderly migration, refugee protection, and border security. This is why we will now apply the Safe Third Country Agreement to asylum seekers who cross between official points of entry. Canada is now detaining and deporting most people who try to cross unofficially at Roxham Road and elsewhere back to the U.S. Many of those migrants find themselves back in Plattsburgh at the Mountain Mart convenience store where they first arrived by bus from New York City. Champlain Valley reporter Kara Chapman went to the Mountain Mart recently 
and has our story. When I walk into the Plattsburgh Mountain Mart, a family of five from Turkey is speaking with two Canadian volunteers. The volunteers are with Bridges Not Borders, a Quebec-based refugee advocacy organization. They're trying to connect the father, mother, and their three daughters with a place to stay for the night. I approach the Turkish man, and he agrees to speak with me via Google Translate. He doesn't want to give his name because he and his family have an asylum claim in the United States. He tells me they lost their home and relatives during an earthquake in Turkey. They traveled to Mexico, then through the U.S. to try to claim asylum in Canada because he has family there. But they were detained, then deported. We went to the Roxham Gate and they let us in there. They kept us for two days. They deported us even though we said we had no other place to stay. As I continue speaking with the Turkish father, his two older daughters wander about the store. He and his wife take turns holding the third, a baby. I ask him if there's anything he thinks is important for people to know about what they're going through. We are in a desperate situation, but I don't think the authorities fully understand this. They misunderstand us. This man and his family are not the only asylum seekers sent back by Canada who come into the mountain mart. There's a man from the Democratic Republic of the Congo who says he has a common-law wife in Canada, a family from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela who plan to make their way to a friend in New Jersey, a Haitian man and a Congolese woman who linked up while they were in custody. Wendy Ayat, one of the volunteers, helps me translate when I speak to the Congolese woman who also doesn't want to be identified. I ask her, what's next? She she needs to uh, get a place where she can can rest, go to a hotel and recover a little bit before she can obviously see clearly what she's going to do next. The woman says she has a sibling in Texas. She says now she has no choice but to apply for asylum in the United States. Her eyes well up with tears. How do you feel right now? She says she feels sad, and uh, I said, well, we feel very sad for you. Yeah. Grace Bubeck, the other volunteer, brings the woman and most of the other people we've met to a local hotel. She says it's heartbreaking to see people get turned back from Canada and not understand why. They don't have a plan because their plan was to go to Canada and... You know, we can do a little bit to help them, but, you know, they're basically left to their own devices. Bubek says asylum seekers waiting out their claims in Canada have access to all kinds of support. Housing, a social worker, education for their children. That's not a guarantee in the United States. When they're sent back here, some still have money left over to buy a bus ticket or get food and a hotel room. Others, though, used everything they had to get to Canada and have nothing left. Kathy Sager is the president of Plattsburgh Cares. She says her organization was inundated with calls when the Roxham Road loophole closed. Literally hundreds of people were in need of immediate care because they spend their last dollars to make this trip. And the word did not get out in time that Roxham Road was shutting down. Sager estimates that Plattsburgh Care spent about a third of its funding to help around 60 people that first week. 
Now, they're still helping when they get calls, but also working with other groups, trying to get helpful information posted at the Mountain Mart, and advocating for a coordinated response at all levels of government. This is a countywide emergency that we need support with from our county and from the state and from the federal government. So we are appealing on all those levels to create a coordinated response so that people don't fall through the cracks. Part of that effort is Clinton County's Department of Social Services, which administers what are called safety net programs to migrants who are eligible. Deputy Commissioner Rich Holcomb says those can include non-U.S. citizens who are, quote, known to immigration authorities. According to Holcomb, since Clinton County is on a major route to Montreal, it's not a new thing for undocumented people to seek safety net assistance. What is new is just the number of individuals presenting themselves. Holcomb says DSS used to see one or two applications a quarter. Since the border changes went into effect, that number has grown to two to three per day. He says the county has a limited supply of emergency housing, and DSS primarily assists by providing transportation that gets people to other resources. Holcomb says he thinks the agency can handle the current level of need. It's new, but it's not. (laughs) You know, we've dealt with crisis like this before. Um, and we will just deal with it in the same fashion, which is why we have guidelines and rules and regulations. Is It, it kind of makes it easier to do this type of work that way. Holcomb says most of the migrants getting safety net assistance aren't staying in the area, and it seems the number of people coming here with the goal of crossing into Canada is decreasing. The official numbers appear to support that theory. In the three months before the changes went into effect, Canadian police detained more than 1,000 people crossing unofficially into Quebec each week. In the first two weeks after the changes were implemented, 222 were processed. Of those, about three-quarters were sent back to the U.S. Michael Cashman is supervisor of the town of Plattsburgh. He says asylum seekers' presence in the community is a federal issue that requires a federal response, including resources for the state and county. And it continues to be a crisis from the standpoint that a plan needs to be well formulated that if there were a surge, um, and while we've not seen it yet, but should there be a surge uh, in numbers, then it can be upscaled rapidly. I reached out to the Department of Homeland Security about whether the federal government is monitoring the impact of asylum seekers, has a plan to inform or support them, or plans to provide assistance to Clinton County and New York State. I didn't hear back. I also requested interviews with Congresswoman Elise Stefanik and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand about the issue. Stefanik's office didn't get back to me, but Gillibrand sent a statement on her behalf. The senator said, quote, The situation in the North Country shows why it is critical that we pass comprehensive immigration reform. For Ayat, one of the volunteers at the Mountain Mart, the plight of asylum seekers is a lesson to all Canadians who take for granted safety and stability in their country. Um, We have a great deal of difficulty imagining that this could happen to us, that, you know, that the world could turn in such a way so that all of a sudden we're the ones who have to flee. We're the ones who are not safe in our country and really have no choice but to leave. Ayat says her biggest fear now is that asylum seekers will use human traffickers to get into Canada through dangerous terrain. And as for those who are caught and turned back, she says it should be the government, not organizations like hers, who help them plot their next steps. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio, Plattsburgh.
people fleeing from other countries to seek asylum in the U.S. and Canada, and sometimes ending up in the North Country, have been in the news all year. Illegal crossings along the southern border are down following policy changes. On the northern border, Canada closed a popular and internationally known unofficial crossing known as Roxham Road. That little road in northern Clinton County was used by thousands of migrants as a pathway to asylum for the last five years. We wanted to know more about how people get to Roxham Road and what their lives are like before and after they cross into Canada. So we followed one couple whose journey began in Venezuela. Kara Chapman has their story. When you ask Luis Rangel and Marianne Diaz if they're married, this is what they say. Chino. <laughs> yes and no, they say. We've been together for 12 years, but we're not legally or religiously married. But we've been en concubinato. That's kind of like a common law marriage. The two are originally from Venezuela. It's where they had their two sons, ages five and eight. Diaz says it's the best country in the world, with its tropical climate, beaches, and the charisma of its people. But for years, the country's been plagued by rampant inflation, crime, and political persecution. Rangel says he spoke out against it. When there were marches in Venezuela, I was one of the people who went out and protested because I didn't agree with what was happening in our country. Rangel says that put him in danger. So he, Diaz, and their children left Venezuela for Ecuador three years ago. Rangel says he found work as a driver. But he wasn't making enough money to help family who were still in Venezuela, like his mother and two other children he has. So last October, he and Diaz decided to leave. They saved some money, left their two sons with Diaz's mother, and headed north. So, we made the decision to seek a better future, to be able to help our family in Venezuela, us, and the babies we left in Ecuador. The couple first traveled through Colombia, making their way to a place called the Darien Gap, which straddles the border with Panama. In the immigration world, this place is infamous. It's a remote, roadless crossing with dozens of miles of dense rainforest, steep mountains, and vast swamps. And it's the only overland path that connects South and Central America. It took seven days. Just slogging through that forest was hard enough. But Ron Hell says it got worse. They got robbed and left without any money. When they came out on the other side of the Darien Gap in Panama, they met up with two of Ron Hell's family members. They took them in, and the next day, Ron Hell and Diaz continued on their journey. The family gave them $100 to get to Costa Rica. It was there around mid-October that they learned the United States had changed things for Venezuelans. Basically, the Biden administration opened 24,000 slots for Venezuelans to legally enter the country if they had a U.S. sponsor. Those who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border illegally wouldn't be eligible and would be turned back if they were caught. But Rangel says at that point, it was too late to turn back. We were already in Costa Rica. What were we going to do? We weren't going to leave and go back through the jungle. I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. So he and Diaz continued north. They made their way from town to town in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, and Guatemala selling candy. It helped them pay for transportation, lodging, food, and occasionally guides to help them cross the borders. Rangel says they always met people willing to help them along the way. Like in our country, people in Honduras and Nicaragua didn't have a lot of resources. 
But even though they had little, people always helped us. They eventually made it to Mexico, where they were briefly detained by immigration officials. But on January 1st, they passed through a hole in the border wall into El Paso, Texas. They worked and made their way to Denver, then took a bus to New York City. They were given assistance for several days. Friends gave Rangel an electric bike so he could work by making deliveries. But the bike broke. It was during this time that they started hearing about a tiny road that crosses into Canada here in Clinton County. They heard on TikTok and Facebook that it would be easier to get set up and find work in Canada. The country doesn't really matter to us. What matters is the ability to work and make money. If you can't make money, how are you supposed to help your family? We need to send money to our family. Diaz and Rangel got help getting a bus ticket to the Mountain Mart, a Greyhound bus station in Plattsburgh. From there, they took a taxi to Roxham Road. It was February 14th, Valentine's Day. Rangel says he remembers people lining up at the unofficial crossing and Canadian officers telling them to stop, that they would be arrested if they crossed. Like thousands before them, they went ahead. They walked the tiny dirt path to enter Canada. We ask Ron Hell how he felt that day, crossing at Roxham Road. He turns the question back on us. How would you feel after abandoning everything? How would you feel after abandoning your family, your children, your things? It's difficult. Here, we don't know anyone. We don't have a family. We don't have anything, nothing. Here, we're starting from scratch or below scratch. They were processed, fingerprinted, and given paperwork. And the day they left Canadian immigration authorities, the couple got some news as well. Diaz, who had walked miles through a rainforest, traversed two continents, was pregnant. She thought she was just feeling poorly because of her menstrual cycle. It wasn't in our plans, but a baby is always a blessing. Rangel, Diaz, and their unexpected baby arrived in Canada when the Quebec government was calling for asylum seekers to be placed elsewhere. Leaders said the tens of thousands of people, most of whom came through Roxham Road, were overwhelming the province and its NGOs. So, instead of Montreal, where thousands of migrants were already awaiting their asylum claims, Rangel and Diaz were sent to Niagara Falls in Ontario. When we first spoke with the couple in March, they were dealing with a bunch of challenges. They didn't have Canadian phones, which made it really difficult to connect with resources and the authorities processing their asylum claim. There are fewer groups that help refugees in Niagara Falls than in places like Toronto and Montreal. And Rangel told us about how much he just wanted to work. I'm the type of person who doesn't like to be given things. I need to make money because, aside from the children I have with my wife, I have other people to help, two more children. I can't spend three or four months standing around doing nothing. But that's basically what happened. They couldn't get jobs before they had work permits because they could have lost the food and housing assistance they get from the Canadian government. So they spent their time knocking on doors to set up appointments, snapping pictures around Niagara Falls, and waiting in their hotel room. They've been sending what they can to their sons and other family back in South America. They want to send more. Luis Rangel finally got his work permit last month. He's got a job interview in August, but he's still sending around his resume. Marianne Diaz says they've made some other gains as well. She says they can open a bank account, they have a social worker, they can sign up for English classes, and they finally have Canadian phones. 
Rangel says from what he's seen, there are a lot of opportunities in Canada. Again and again, when we spoke with him, he said you have to be patient. Plans are long-term. No plan is short-term. Everything has its time. If you want it, it'll come. You just have to know how to wait for it. That goes for bringing more of their family to Canada, too. Rangel says they have to wait until they have legal status before they can send for their boys. In the meantime, they wait for the arrival of their new baby, another boy, and for their asylum claim to move forward. Kara Chapman, with interpretation and translation from David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio. The tension is building across New York over how to handle more than 100,000 migrants who've arrived in New York City over the last year. On a smaller scale, Plattsburgh has been dealing with this issue for years. Thousands of migrants stopped there on their way to seek asylum in Canada. And since the unofficial border crossing at Roxham Road was closed earlier this year, many have found themselves back at Plattsburgh's bus station. One not-for-profit has been helping the asylum seekers through it all. And as Kara Chapman reports, Plattsburgh Cares has been stretched thin. Plattsburgh Cares was best known for providing supplies like coats, hats, and stuffed animals to immigrants as they crossed the border at Roxham Road. It also helped asylum seekers with temporary housing, food, translation, and referrals for legal assistance. But when Canada closed Roxham Road at the end of March and started turning refugees back, Plattsburgh Cares got a lot busier. President Kathy Sager estimates the not-for-profit provided financial assistance to about 1,000 people between March 25th and the end of June. They would wind up somewhere between Champlain and the Plattsburgh bus station. And for those people, they needed help with getting to another place because staying here wasn't going to help them at all. Sager says Plattsburgh Cares volunteers would get calls 24-7 about people needing emergency supplies and a place to stay the night. And she says they often had to take on people who weren't eligible for county assistance. Over time, Plattsburgh Cares funds started to run out. And Sager says all of this work was taking its toll on the volunteers. There was just this huge drain, not just on our financial resources, but on our human resources with our volunteers being constantly on call in a way that were very overwhelming. So in June, Plattsburgh Cares told its volunteers and benefactors that it was suspending financial support and humanitarian assistance to asylum seekers in the area. They needed time to reorganize their efforts and figure out next steps. Christine Peters is the commissioner of the Clinton County Department of Social Services. That agency administers the state safety net programs to people who are eligible, which can include non-U.S. citizens known to immigration authorities. Peters says Plattsburgh Care's decision to suspend aid didn't seem to impact her agency. She thinks other community organizations have stepped in to fill the gaps. We're not seeing a deluge of individuals coming in, but we are seeing one or two a night, four or five a night, few more over the uh, weekends. So it, you know, it ebbs and flows, but it's still consistent. The official numbers show that far fewer people looking for asylum in Canada are coming to Clinton County since the border rules changed. The difference now, though, is many more are getting sent back to the U.S. Most end up back in Plattsburgh at the bus station to plan what to do next. Peters says those immigrants don't tend to stay long, but they need temporary housing and transportation assistance. The individuals that are coming to this community aren't seeking to relocate here. They are seeking to get into Canada. They, and if they can't, then they're going back to where they have family, friends, or some, some sort of cultural context that they feel comfortable with. 
Plattsburgh Cares is now focused on helping those people while they're here by plugging some of the gaps in the local social services and nonprofit system. For example, earlier this month, Sager says they dropped off bags of food at two area motels where refugees and food insecure people were staying. But even though the way they operate has changed, Plattsburgh Care's stance on what needs to happen to help asylum seekers hasn't. Sager says government needs to take on a larger role. They have the resources, they have the facilities, they have the manpower to handle this problem. We, we would be happy to be consultants because we've done this, but we can't, can't carry on as we have been. DSS Commissioner Christine Peters says she thinks Clinton County is doing what it can to help the migrants. The solution is not going to come from us. I think the solution is going to come from a bigger entity. Um, you know, I think federal policies, I think state policies, I think all all of the governments that have been involved in creating this need to kind of strategize together. And I'm not sure that's anybody's got that on their radar. Right now, the state's focused on New York City, which is dealing with thousands of asylum seekers. The state budgeted $1 billion this year to reimburse the city for costs like social services, shelter, and food. Governor Kathy Hochul has also been lobbying the federal government to waive the waiting period for these immigrants to start working and allow the state to use federal property to help house them. Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty recently said the state needs the federal government to intervene. You know, at some point, we can't just keep pointing fingers at each other. We all just have to figure this out. Sager says she encourages people to call or send personal letters to their elected officials to let them know they're worried about this issue. She says one of her biggest fears for the asylum seekers is that they'll be taken advantage of or trafficked. Desperate people will resort to desperate measures to find a place where they can be safe and their family can be safe. So... I think that the pressure has to be put on um, the elected officials. Show up. Sager says in the meantime, Plattsburgh Cares will continue to advocate for more support from all levels of government and work to educate asylum seekers about what awaits them as they head north. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio, Plattsburgh. The last building that was part of the Canadian police outpost at a popular unofficial border crossing in northern Clinton County was demolished Monday. As Kara Chapman reports, it marks the end of an era for this part of the northern border. Starting in 2017 during the Trump administration, migrants seeking asylum in Canada started showing up in Plattsburgh and taking a taxi to a tiny dead-end road in Champlain called Roxham Road. Over six years, about 113,000 people turned themselves in to Canadian authorities. Many of them entered that country's more generous asylum system. But Roxham Road was effectively closed in March of this year. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was facing pressure from Canadians concerned about the flood of migrants. So the U.S. and Canada changed a treaty governing the border. So the dynamic has changed. That's Sergeant Charles Poirier, a spokesperson for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. He says before the border changes, 99.9% of migrants crossing into Quebec used Roxham Road. Now, um, you know, it's spread across the entire territory from the border to Ontario to New Brunswick, uh, but predominantly uh, in the Champlain uh, sector. Poirier says the number of migrants intercepted at Roxham Road and elsewhere in the sector has dwindled to an average of 14 per week. At the same time, more people are heading south into the U.S. instead. Over the last several months, the RCMP started removing parts of the Roxham Road outpost and scaling back on its 24-7 staffing. It left the largest structure standing to see what would happen. 
But in the past few weeks, we've had almost zero interception at Roxham Road. So then we started removing power and utilities, and then eventually uh, we decided to demolish it. Poirier says this last building is where migrants were brought in after they were arrested for crossing the border. It's where they and their belongings would get searched and where they'd wait to get transported to another RCMP facility. Local volunteer Janet McFetridge says the large steel building was more than that to the asylum seekers. She says it was a symbol of shelter and safety. You know, they'd been traveling a long time to get to to that point. That was the point where, where their, their hopes that, oh, we made it and now you know, maybe we have a chance. For years, McFetridge would set up her car at Roxham Road to offer blankets, hats, gloves, and other supplies to people before they crossed the border. On Monday, she stood on the U.S. side and watched the last building get demolished. She says you could hear metal being ripped apart, see debris flying through the air, and smell the dust as it came down. So it sort of filled your senses with, wow, this building is going down quickly. It's just about gone. It's going to be completely erased. And there won't there won't be a trace of it. Almost as if nothing really happened over those six years. And and, and over 100,000 people know that's not true. McFetridge says with tens of millions of refugees on the move around the world, she's worried about people trying to cross the border through dangerous terrain. Poirier says the RCMP is concerned about people's safety too. He points to the people who've died over the last two years trying to cross the border and the RCMP's search and rescue efforts to find people stranded in the woods. Poirier says he wants people to know that it's not safe or easy to cross that way. He says human smugglers have abandoned people there, and he advises them to go to official ports of entry instead. Don't believe, you know, the story that you're going to be able to cross through the woods and it's just going to be an an easy walk, because it won't. It might, but it probably won't. And those people promising, you know, an easy crossing, um, they're just flat out wrong. Poirier says it cost the RCMP millions to operate the Roxham Road outpost. Now, officers will monitor the area as they do other parts of the border with roving patrols and technology. So we have some tools. We know what the hotspots are. Uh, We talk with uh, USBP every day, so we share information. So Roxham now is just another crossing, um, and it's not even a a hot zone at this point. Poirier says a sign at Roxham Road telling people not to cross there will remain in place for now. And he says, though the RCMP is not hoping that crossings at Roxham Road will increase, the agency will rebuild facilities there if needed. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio.